How many of you believe that God is still in the business of changing people? How many of you can say God has changed you? How many of you can look back and say, I'm not the same person that I was a year ago? How many people could say that? Now, how many people would say, I don't want to be the same person a year from now as I am right now? How many would just believe in faith that God is still in the business of changing people? God is still in the business of turning circumstances around, and God is still in the business of moving on our faith to give us the best life in him that we could ever have. Here's what I know. God works whenever we value the right thing. It's impossible for us to value the wrong thing and God to honor it and thus work in it and change our lives for the better. When God moves in our lives, he operates in our faith. And when our faith moves, our faith in him always prioritizes the right values. In this series, we've been talking about restoring values. And there are some of us in the room today that need to restore values maybe that we once had or maybe refresh our value system and have uh, values that God puts there. I'm glad each and every one of you are here today. I'm, I'm thankful for everyone who's watching online through our live stream. Uh, that we, we've just recently made possible this month. Um, and so if you're watching online, glad you guys are here with us. Uh, you're just as much a part of this service as everybody sitting in the room. And we've been in this series called Restoring Values, and we've been talking about um, some of the values that we had used to, kind of what, uh, as Americans, what the values that our nation was kind of founded on, that as time has gone on, some of those values have diminished. I asked the question uh, in the beginning of the series, is America different today than it was back then? And I think everybody unanimously said, yes, it is. It's different than when I grew up. It's different than maybe when my parents grew up. Uh, it's different than it was 10 years ago. I mean, things are, are so drastically uh, changing so quickly. Um, but America was built on so many different values. Today, we're going to be talking about the value of generosity. Say generosity. Generosity. You have opportunities every single day to be generous. America was founded upon the value of generosity. And actually, it was a value that they were copying from Acts chapter 2, uh, where the Bible says that the first church sold their possessions and gave to one another as the other had need. Now, that's, that's generosity, wouldn't you say? They weren't giving out of their abundance. They actually sold their stuff so that everybody within that church, the body of Christ, could have what they needed. Now, you think about a nation. How could a nation survive without generous people like that. You think about what the colonies first were when they came. They had absolutely nothing. They were pretty much starting over. It required, it was a critical part of, of, of survival, <laughs> was people that are, were generous uh, around them. And so you fast forward uh, hundreds of years, and you see that America, just in the last 20 years, that, that value has kind of kept up with us um, in, in this instance, that or in this uh, way. Uh, when you think about the last 20 years, what we've spent, to help other countries. The, the number is astronomical, and you can easily see that we're the most generous nation in the world. Um, and there are many who criticize American ways and American systems, but when disaster strikes, they look to America. It's, it's, it's statistical. It's, it's very easy to see. There are groups that measure the generosity of America, not just what America gives uh, from a, a national budget, but what people give personally to organizations, to foundations, to universities. And there are lots of generous people in America. Do you think it's a coincidence that we've been the most prosperous country in the world? 
Do you think it's a coincidence that we've been the most blessed country in the world? It has nothing to do with, besides the value of generosity, which comes from God. Generosity and that value is tied intrinsically to the heart of who God is. Say generosity. Generosity. It reminds me of a story I read recently where a group of guys were at a gym and uh, the phone rings, a cell phone, and one of the guys picks up and says, yes. And a woman on the other end says, honey, I can't hardly hear you. Are, are you at the gym? And then he says, hello. And she says, oh, hello. Yes. Well, listen, I just need to tell you, I'm, I'm in front of the fur shop and there's this mink coat that I really want. It's beautiful. Can I buy it? And the man says, well, how much is it? And she says, well, it's, it's only $5,000. <laughs> and he said, and this is where it gets interesting, okay, buy it. But I need you to go ahead and buy the matching accessories that go with it. And she says, wow, this is interesting. Okay, um, I'll do that. And it also turns out that I stopped by the, uh, the dealership and that BMW that I was wanting, it's literally on sale today. And he said, well, how much is the BMW? And she said, it's only $60,000. And feeling generous, he says, yeah, that's, that's fine. Go ahead and go with it. Um, but you have to get everything that goes with it. Don't just get it fully loaded. You know, I want to make sure that we have a nice car to drive. Um, and if you do that, I, I won't get mad, I promise. And this woman, she's realizing, hey, every single request I have is being answered. So let's push it a little further, see how much we can get. And she says, you know how my mom's been wanting to move in? Well, listen, what would you say if we, if we did it like for just a month? You know, just see how it goes and then... We can talk about it afterwards. And he says, okay, yes, we, we can do that. But don't ask me for anything else, okay? And she says, oh, no problem. I love you, baby. Thank you so much. He says, I love you too. Bye. And then he hangs up the phone, and he turns around and says, does anybody know whose cell phone this is? <laughs> generosity. And, of course, you know that's not the kind of generosity I'm talking about. <clears throat> True generosity is intrinsically tied to the heart of who God is. And, and I think it's interesting in the Bible that among the subjects of faith and hope and love, generosity comes up more than all three of those combined. Why is that? Because giving is the way that faith, hope, and love are expressed. Through generosity. That, that's why the Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians 8, 7, he said, you already excel. He's talking to the church. You already excel in other good conditions. He's saying you have faith, you're excelling in that, you have knowledge, enthusiasm, and you have love. Could you not add generosity to your virtues? He's saying you've got faith, you've got hope, and you've got love. Add generosity. Add generosity to your virtues. Let me ask you a question. What would happen if you personally, your family, you, you took the next step, whatever that is for you, when it comes to being generous? Because it's tied to the heart of who God is. How could God bless you? When, you, when you're generous, God sees it. How could he change you? How could he bless other people through you? What could God do through you? And I just want to let that question sink in for, for a minute today because if sink in, because if generosity is intrinsically tied to the heart of who God is, then wouldn't you think that's a value that he would want us to get better at? As believers, as Christians. Now I know so many of you, you're already generous. You already give your time. You give your ability. You give it to this church. I know you're giving it at other places too. You, you give your finances. You're, you're getting out of your comfort zones. You're making commitments. I know so many of you are already generous. Uh, maybe if, if you're not so generous, maybe that's you today. I would just say get better at it. 
That's a profound statement, isn't it? Get, get better at what honors God the most. And what I want to do um, is not chip, throw a blanket challenge for everybody to become generous. I don't want to do that because I know so many of you already are. What I want to do is I want to talk about the benefits of being generous. And that way, when you experience them, experience them, uh, you're, you're going to know what you're looking for. You're going to recognize it as God blessing me. And so if you're a generous person, you're going to experience these benefits. If you're not, you won't. Okay? So let's, let's dig into them. And then at the end, uh, we're going to take communion together. We're going to focus on Jesus' generosity to us. But as we go forward, let's, let's just dive right in. The first benefit of being generous is this. Giving makes me more like Christ. Giving makes me more like Christ. That's not just a benefit. That's a command from the Scriptures, to be like Christ. In fact, the word Christian means Christ-like. We should be striving to do what Jesus did and become who Jesus is. Was Jesus a giver? Everybody better say, yeah, he absolutely was a giver. In fact, he gave his all. Uh, James chapter 1, verse 5, what does it say? Does it say God's not about to give you anything? And if, it do, if he does, it's going to be grudgingly? No, what does it say? It says God gives to all generously, and he gives ungrudgingly. And he's talking about wisdom here, which, by the way, the proverb says that's, that's what we should be seeking more than anything. God gives it. He gives. He's a giver. Did you know that you can give without loving, but you can't love without giving? It's impossible to do. You can throw time and energy at all kinds of efforts and people without loving them one drop, but you can't love and not give. It's who Jesus is. It's who God is. In fact, the basis for love is, is what God says in John three sixteen. He says, for God so loved the world that he what? Say it together. What's the next word? He gave. He loved the world so much. He, gave. he didn't give first and then try to figure out a way to love us. The Bible says he, he loved so much that it drove him to give. Give what? Everything. His one and only son. So that who? Whoever, you, me, would believe in him and have everlasting life. Get this. Love drove the gift. You can give and not love, but you can't love and not give. Well, I could never be like that. That's just not who I am. I'm, I'm just not a giver. Did you know that Genesis says that you were made in the likeness of God? You. It didn't say Christians were made in the likeness of God. Every person was made in the likeness of God. And since God is a giver, you have within yourself the DNA to be an excellent giver, an extravagant giver, a generous person, a giver of your time, a giver of your abilities, and next Sunday, we're going to have the opportunity to give in faith financially together, offering fit for a king. We do this once a year. If you're new here today, we've been talking about this through this series. Uh, if you've been here for a year, you've, you've heard this before. This is something that we do every year. It's when we, we all come together and we give in faith above what we normally would. Why? Because we're a group of people that believe that God moves among us and moves in our lives when we get out of our comfort zones and become givers, givers in faith. Have you been praying about what you're going to give? For those of you who have been here for the series, for those of you who are, are new today or you're just coming back, we're, we're prayerfully considering what we're going to give. We, we don't want to do this haphazardly. We, we sat in a meeting, a senior leadership team meeting last week, and we started talking about offering fit for a king. Um, and the reason is, is because I challenge our leaders because we're going to go first. Leaders don't skip out on something like this. We go first. 
Jessica and I are going to go first, and then our senior leaders are going to go. And we just started talking about um, offering fit for a king. But more than that, we started talking about the way God moves in our own lives. And we heard different stories that were just encouraging one another because guess what? We're all human beings too. And we started just encouraging one another and listening to each other's stories about how you can't outgive God and what God has done in each other's lives. And I want you to know that's, that those aren't just stories that pertain to leaders in a church. Those are stories that pertain to human beings that were made in the likeness of God. And that's you. You want God to move in your life? Then get out of your comfort zone and give in faith. Give your time. Give your abilities. Next Sunday, we're going to have an opportunity to, de- to demonstrate giving faith financially together. And, and it may be difficult for some to grasp, but this is not a fundraising campaign. This is a faith-giving campaign. This is a giver-raising campaign. It's an opportunity for us to see how much like Christ we are. And, and it all hits us. It all hits us different. Are we going to raise funds? Absolutely, we are. Are we going to use those funds to, to finance ministry that changes people's lives? You better believe that we are. But becoming more like Christ is the goal. That's the goal. And giving is a critical part of that. Because when I give, I become more like Jesus. I become more like Christ. Have you been praying about what you're going to give? If, if not, I, I, would, I would challenge you. It's not too late. Be praying. Be prayerfully considering. God, what, what would you have us give above our normal giving? If you're a tither, then what, well, God, what are you asking me to give above my tithe? If, you, if you've never tithed before or if that's not a practice you live by, then I, I, wanna, I just want to challenge you, tithe. Tithe that week. And we'll talk about what, what that is. But God's word says, test me in this. Try me. See if I won't do what I say. See if I won't pour out a blessing in your life. And I love the fact that God says, test me in this, when he starts talking about the tithe. And understand, this isn't my word. If it was, I might be too scared to tell you. This is God's word, and I stand unashamed to tell you that God always backs his word up. And I face the same challenges that you may face if you're not tithing today. When I first started tithing is, is, is God really going to do what he said? Or is this just some guy on the stage trying to get money out of me? I, I face the same questions. And, and standing here and after tithing pretty much my whole life, I can tell you that God's word never lies. And so many beautiful things happen when you begin to trust God at his word. Tithe. So if, if you haven't done that, that's, that's what I want to challenge you to do. And see if God doesn't do what he says. When I give, it makes me more like Christ. And by the way, if you haven't got one of these, these are the envelopes that we're using for offering fit for a king next week. Our ushers have these at the back. You can pick one up on your way out. And there's uh, some information in there about offering fit for a king from our senior pastor. But bring your offering in this. And we're going to take this up um, at the end of service next week and together. And we're going to do it in this. And it's going to be a special time that we come together and we give. And I believe God's going to do some great things in us. The second thing that giving does, being a generous person, is it, it breaks the grip of materialism in our lives. Now, a lot of people would say, you know what, I, I don't have that problem. I, I, I'm not materialistic. Can I just be honest with you? Um, human beings in general, and more specifically Americans that just live in providence and live in abundance, we can't help but fight materialism. And sometimes I, I, th- I don't even think we realize that we have an issue with materialism until we lose the grip on what really had a grip on us, the need for stuff. And when you begin to be challenged to let go, that's when you begin to realize, you know what, this has got a, more of a grip on me than I thought. And we think that having things and having status, we think it builds up our, our self 
our, 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 our sense of, of well-being. We think it, it builds that. But the physical and emotional work that it takes to build up and, and, and put efforts into having and getting things, it doesn't build up our sense of well-being. It taxes it. I don't know anybody that had their emotional tank filled because they were worried about keeping up with their neighbors. Or I don't know anybody that was built up psychologically and all their needs were met in that way because they stressed over something that they didn't have. I don't know anybody that, had, uh, that was filled up and had their sense of well-being filled because they had an anxiety over gripping too tightly to something, not wanting to lose it. Materialism breeds stress. Materialism breeds worry, but giving breaks the grip. It just does. Giving while trusting God, it begins to rewire your mind. Now, you have to trust in God. If you just throw things, money and time at things without trusting God, and you just give out of abundance, that doesn't count. But when you begin to give out of your need and you begin to trust God with the results, you'll find your, your mind, it rewires itself, and you'll begin to have your self-worth in God and not things. Now, we don't naturally do that. But when I give in faith, the pressure of things and status breaks. It goes away because now I've, I've put the, the, the challenge of being who I'm supposed to be, not in my own hands, but all of a sudden now I've given it to a God that cares for me, and he is always, always, always comes through. But status, we want status. We want things, which is very naturally. My dad retired from the Air Force after 20 years. He actually retired in, in 1994, and after that, he began to manage a, a chemical company that serviced sanitation, uh, bathroom sanitation, and air fresheners and things like that. And when I was a teenager, I worked for him. And one of my jobs was I was the service rep. So I was the guy that went around to all the different companies and accounts um, and refilled these uh, sanitation units and air fresheners. And what that meant was I spent the majority of my time in bathrooms. <laughs> I, I was working in bathrooms all the time because that's typically where people want their air freshened. So, and my friends would ask me where I worked, you know, teenagers would ask each other where you work, and I would always try to explain to them what I did, and they would say, so you're a janitor. <laughs> and I would go, no, I'm not a janitor. I try to explain what I do, but no, so you're a janitor. I'm like, no, I'm not a janitor. Like, I'm quit. Nothing wrong with janitors, but when you're a teenager, that's not what makes you look cool. <laughs> and so I came up with this thing. I was like, I'm not, people would ask me what I did. I, I would just tell them I'm a certified bathroom technician. That was my go-to. Working in bathrooms is a humbling job, uh, but, but why do we think our self-worth is tied to our net worth? Why, why do we think that who we are on the inside has anything to do with how much we have or what we do? And if we're not careful, we'll get the idea that we're worth a lot just because we have a lot of money or that we're not worth a lot because we don't. We don't have the right job. We don't have the right status. None of us want to be materialistic, but we naturally get sucked into it. Somebody say Amen. Giving breaks that. Listen to what Paul said about having stuff. And this is, he's talking about people who do have a lot and what we should do with it if we have it. He told uh, 1 Timothy uh, chapter 6, this is a young pastor named Timothy. He's pastoring a church. And he says this, he says, command those who are rich in this present world. He's comparing the world to come. That's eternity. But those who are rich here on earth, tell them not to be arrogant or to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain. It's like it's here one day and it's gone the next. But put your hope in God who richly provides us with everything. I love this part. For our enjoyment. Do you know that God blesses you with stuff so that you can enjoy it? 
I know we talk a lot about giving and stretching yourself and not being, but God gives us stuff so that we can enjoy it. You need to understand that. But there has to be a healthy balance of who you put your trust in. And he says, command them, be generous and be willing to share. And in this way, they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Do, do you see three things there? Look, look at what he says. He addresses the rich. So I think the first thing we need to do is identify who are rich. I just want everyone to raise your hand. Just put your hand in the air. I want you to know you're rich right now. If you have change in your pocket, you are more wealthy than two-thirds of the world. So he, he's addressing you. He's addressing me. Uh, and, and he says, he says, this is what you're supposed to do. Why does God provide? That's the second thing. He provides for our enjoyment. And there's nothing wrong with having nice things. Um, materialism is, is not having nice things. Materialism is this. It's living beyond our means to prop ourselves up. That's what it is. And why does God provide for our enjoyment, but also to be generous? If you have things, if you have stuff, you know what? You're supposed to share. And the result is this. He says, it's real life. It's true life. Do you, wanna, you want real life? Do you want true life? He said, then share. You want to break the spirit in your life that says, I want to get, 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 that you so naturally have? Then give, give, give. That's how you do it. That's how you break the spirit of materialism. And every time you give, you're, 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 you're making a countercultural statement, not only to those around you, but to yourself that says, life isn't measured by how much I accumulate. Giving makes me more like God, and giving breaks the grip of materialism. Everybody say number three. Number three, giving draws me closer to God. How many of you would say, I, I want to get closer to God? I want, I want more of Him. As your pastor, that's, that's my cry. I want more of God. Giving draws you closer to God. Why? Because being generous is intrinsically tied to the heart of God. And you want to draw closer to God? Then be a generous person. Let me ask you, uh, if you rake and scrape to buy a boat, where's your heart? Nothing wrong with a boat, but your heart's going to be exactly where every, your body is every spare minute on the boat. <laughs> if, if, if you work extra and overtime and cut expenses and try to get a down payment on a house, where's your heart? It, it's in your house. If you sacrifice to put your son or your daughter through college, where's your heart? Well, it could be in your throat when they come home and tell you they failed three courses. This is very simple. Your treasure follows your heart. You want to know where your heart is? Then go online and look at your bank statement. You, you put your money, you put your resources where your heart is. That, and Jesus said in, in Matthew 6, 21, he said, your heart will be wherever your treasure is. Is that true? It's true. Why? Because you put your treasures there. Uh, and and wh wherever I put my treasures, my time, wherever I put my energies, wherever I put my finances, that's where my heart's going to be. It reveals wh who I really am. And, and again, I want to stress, there's nothing wrong with having stuff. Because Paul told us very plainly, God provides for us so that we can enjoy things. But they're not going to draw you closer to God. Giving does that. Being generous. And I think it sets up for our next principle, giving out of generosity, it challenges my flesh, but you know what? It also gives, it strengthens my faith. Giving strengthens my faith. Every Christian, sooner or later, is going to ask themselves. That means you're going to ask yourself sooner or later, do I really trust God with my time, with my gifts, with my treasure, with my money? Do I really believe it? Did you know that there's 7,000 promises from God in Scripture for believers. 
for Christians? I mean, that's hefty. Do I really believe them? You have to ask yourself that. I have to ask myself that. If you don't believe them, listen, the promises are still true, just not for you. Because the promises are true for the believer. Because promises from God are received in faith. And faith means I believe before I see the results. And God moves in our faith. And offering fit for a king, it it challenges us to do just that. Do I really believe what, what God says in his word? Or is it just something that Pastor Ryan says? Or is it just something that kind of Christianese vernacular? But do I really believe it? And that's, that's really the question that you have to ask yourself, not as a church member, as a person that's made in the likeness of God. Do I really believe what God says? Philippians 4.19 says that God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. That's a neat verse, but is it true? Is it true? It's true if you believe it. Malachi chapter 3, verse 10, God says this, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. A lot of people ask me, what, well, what does tithe mean? Well, tithe actually means tenth. People have asked me before, can I tithe 2%? Can I tithe? Well, you can give those amounts. But you know what? The baseline that God says is, is the tenth. That's the baseline for generosity. The tenth means the tenth. <laughs> That's the tithe. He says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. And love it. Test me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out blessings until it overflows. That's a promise. Wow, that's a big promise. Do I really believe it? got to ask yourself that question. Well, I'm not sure if I believe it or I think I believe it. Pastor Ryan believes it. Do I really believe it? How can I know if I believe it? By your actions. Faith is a do word. Faith is not something that is rhetorical in your mind. It's not this uh, experience that you have in your mind without actually expressing it by taking steps. Faith is a do word. By your actions, you'll know if you believe it. 2 Corinthians 9.13 says this, your giving proves the reality of your faith. This is Paul talking to the church. When you take the step of faith, he proves the promises to be true. Are they real? Yeah. Are they real for you? Well, if you believe them and you take steps of faith, they absolutely are. Because God always backs up his promises. But you need to listen to me. When you give, when you're a generous person, and, and when you come next week, and give. It, it has to be by faith, not manipulation. I don't want you to give because I said it. And, and I get it. There are pastors who are persuasive. And, and I, I know that good leadership is important. And, and there are some of you who, if I say something, you're, you're going to do it just because of, of my walk with God and my position here. And you're going to trust that. And I'm honored by that. It keeps me humble. It really does. And I want you to know I fall on my face before God with that. But I don't want you to give just because I say it. I want you to be give. I want you to give because you trust in God. Because you've heard me say something and it sparked something in your heart and, and you get on your face before God and you, you get with your spouse and you get with your family and you give together because it's what you're doing because your trust and your faith is in God because of your relationship that's growing with him. Listen, I'm just a human being and so is Jessica. And guess what? We have five human beings that live in our house with us and I can promise you we're human. If, if you heard some of the things that go on in our house, you'd probably go, man, you're more human than I am. I mean, we're, we're just human beings, and we have to trust God just like you do. Don't do it because I'm persuasive. Do it because you're valuing the faith that you have in God who is going to back up what he says. 
Paul told that same church in chapter 9, verse 7, he said, everyone must make up his own mind as how much he should give. For cheerful givers are the ones that God prizes. God is able to make it up to you by giving you everything you need, more so, and more so, that there will not only be enough for your own needs, but plenty left over to give joyfully to others. He's saying you love cheerful givers. You know what that means? That means somebody that hasn't done it haphazardly because somebody said so or been guilted into it. Lord knows my job and my heart is not to guilt you into anything. My, my goal is to give you the word of God so that you can walk out of here and prayerfully consider it. When, whenever you get to heaven one day, I'm not going to be there standing there next to you while God has that conversation with you. I don't know exactly what that's going to look like, but I'm not going to be there standing there. You are. And when I get there, I'm not going to have anyone to look at and, and point. It's going to be me and God, and it's going to be you and him. And so as I'm here talking to you, I'm, I'm merely giving you the word of God. And a cheerful giver is somebody that has a made-up mind that can walk in here and know, I haven't been persuaded, I haven't been guilted, but this is something that I'm doing. And my spouse, we're doing this together because we have faith in God and we're believing in him. Oh, there's no, there's no greater joy than that. And that's when he says, man, you do it cheerfully, and God honors that. He prizes it. And he'll give you not just what you need, but more than that, so you can give to other people. When you give, give because you know that God is going to do something incredible. And I believe with my whole heart that there are seasons in our lives where, where, where God calls us to do something extraordinary. He calls us to do something sacrificial, and he wants to do a miracle in your life. But you have to believe him first. And typically we will say, you know what, God, show me this, and then I'll give. And, and it's, there's plenty of scriptures where there's people that said the exact same thing to Jesus, said the exact same thing to the prophets. Show me, then I will believe. But God says this, he says, believe me, and then I'll show you. Test me in this, believe me, watch and see if I won't do it. In fact, Ephesians 3.20 says, he'll, he'll do more than you dare to dream. I mean, we sing songs and we read words on the screen that he's perfect in power and he's capable of doing all these things. And, and we sing the songs and they come out of our mouths. And guys, I'm right there with you. And we walk out of here and we're tempted to go, God is limited because I can't put my brain around it. Are we going to believe him? Giving makes me more like God. It, it, it breaks the grip of materialism in my life. It draws me closer to him and it stretches me and it strengthens my faith. The last one is a benefit, but it's really a truth that we need to be reminded of as we live life on earth and, and we contemplate uh, the, the, what God says about being generous, and that's this, giving is an investment in eternity. Now, I think this one might be the biggest one of all because we can't see eternity. We don't, we don't know what exactly that's going to be like. I love Paul who said, you know what, it's kind of like when you think about that, it's, it's like looking through a fogged up glass. We can kind of make out what it's going to be because we can read God's word, but, but we just can't see it in full. We have to walk in faith. That's what Paul said. I love that. But Jesus said this in Matthew 6, 20. He said, store your treasures in heaven where they can't be destroyed by moths or by rust, where thieves can't break in and steal them, where hurricanes can't rip them apart where family members can't take your stuff in some legal battle. That, that's, that kind of stuff happens on earth, he says, but when you begin to store your treasures up in heaven, none of that stuff can touch it. He's saying when you're generous here, 
and you trust God with your needs here, God is storing up blessings for you in heaven that you're going to see when you get there. And, and you know, I've never seen a hearse pulling a U-Haul trailer. Have you? We've never seen that. You're, all your treasure and all your stuff here, you, you just aren't going to be able to take it with you. I heard someone recently tell me, uh, and I believe it's true, I, I really want to find this out, but they said that funeral home suits that you buy, they don't have pockets in them because they're not spending the extra money for pockets when you can't take anything with you, right? Isn't that amazing? You can't take it with you, but the Bible says that you can send it on ahead. Jesus is saying that the best investment, the best place that you can put your your stuff, your money, where it's going to be safe is in heaven because there's no greater investment than the kingdom of God. And when you're generous here, God is doing something completely different that's going to blow you away in heaven. Isn't that a good promise? In 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 18, I love the way the Living Bible translates it. He says this, use your money to do good, always being ready to share with others whatever God has given you. And by doing this, you'll be storing up real treasure for yourself in heaven. It's the only safe investment for eternity. And you will be living a, a fruitful Christian life down here as well. I want you to think about that. God, he wants you to be fruitful here. And we think about things like saving for retirement, and those things are important. And if you're not doing that, I would say, you know what, be mindful of it. But I I want you to understand, too, that you're going to spend a lot more time in eternity than you are in your retirement years. And sometimes we just get so sucked into thinking that, you know what, this last few years, last 15 years I have on earth, I'm going to make it as comfortable as I possibly can. I'm going I'm to make sure I save all I can for that and we just engage my responsibility to give because, you know what, it's really about me and what I'm going to pass on to my kids. And, and there's, there's truth in some of that and it's, there's importance in some of that. But why do we get to the end of our lives and just stop? Paul said it's like, it's like a runner on a race and he's like, I, I just want to get to the end. I want to cross that finish line with full gusto and I'm not looking behind it's like I'm I'm just pressing on towards the towards the goal but it's like can you imagine he's like like getting to the end of a runner getting to the finish line and just sitting down man it's like no what are you doing we'd be saying stand up go what are you doing and so often that's what we think about when we think about retirement we just want to take it as easy as we possibly can and slow way down and we forget that you know what there's eternity just over the horizon for us all. And we should be investing there and, and doing what Jesus said. I mean, he's Jesus for crying out loud. The son of the living God, he's, this is his word. He's, he's telling us, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Yeah, I, I get it. God's going to bless you here, but it's for you to, be, to enjoy and for you to pass on to other people. Don't, don't get stingy with it. Giving is intrinsically tied to the heart of God. Give, be generous. And trust God that he's going to provide all your needs. And you're storing up for yourself something much greater in heaven. Giving makes me more like God. It it breaks the grip of materialism in my life. It draws me closer to God. It strengthens my faith. And, And giving is an investment in eternity. So I want you to pray this week. God, how can you use me? How can I be more generous with my heart and my time? How how can I be more generous with the resources that you've given me? And I want you to be praying this. God, what would you have us to give for offering fit for a king? How would you you have me do that? And I I want you to remember, equal sacrifice does not mean equal gifts. The, The person that gives $10 and that's all they have, 
That's just as an equal sacrifice to somebody who has a million and gives 100,000. You understand what I'm saying? Equal sacrifice does not mean equal gifts. Can you trust God with that? Will you pray about that this week? Ryan, how can I trust God? How, how do I know? You're saying a lot right now, and it's, it's burning a hole right in my shoes. How, how, do, I, how do I do that? Listen, you, you trust God by remembering the generosity that Jesus gave you. That's how. You want a template on how to be generous? Turn around and look at how Jesus was generous to you. And that, that's what we're going to do right now. We're going to take communion together. And I just, I want you to get this communion cup out. You say, Pastor Ryan, it, it, it's, it's grape juice and a wafer. You're right, it is. And when you taste it in a minute, you're going to realize there's really nothing special about it. But what happens in our hearts is this. We're remembering something that God asked us to do. If you don't have one of these, can you just raise your hand? Our ushers are going to make sure that you have one so we can take communion together. It's, it's always amazing to me, Jesus, when it talks about his sacrifice and his generosity. Uh, I was talking to one of my pastor friends the other day, and we were just talking about the generosity of Christ. And he says, you know what? A lot of Christians, are, they get real spiritual-minded, and they get to the, to almost to a fault. They start thinking they're more spiritual than other people, and they're bigger and more than other people. And because they read their Bible every day, they're more important than other people. And it's interesting that you look at Jesus, um, who absolutely was the most spiritual person there was because it was his spirit. <laughs> and he gets in a room with his disciples and he looks around and he's the most powerful person in the room. And he starts washing the, the disciples' feet. And that sounds weird. We don't really wash people's feet today. But back in the day, they didn't have cars. They had dirt roads and they rode donkeys on them and all kinds of animals and herds. And there was not only dirt on the ground, but there was animal dung. I mean, there was just, so when you walked in it with sandals, your feet got dirty. And at every single house, there would be a wash basin at the door. This is just part of their culture. And, and you would walk in, you'd wash your feet. If you were wealthy and you had a lot of money, you'd have a servant there to do it. And you'd walk in and, and you'd wash, the servant would wash your feet. And that was a lowly position. Foot washing was a very normal part of society just for cleanliness because of the roads they walked. But it was, if you were a servant washing someone's feet, that was disgusting. It was a lowly, humble position. And Jesus is, is in the room with his disciples. And he's like, you know what? I'm setting you an example, the most powerful person in the room. And he stoops down and starts washing their feet. Peter said, you're not washing mine. And he said, if, you don't, if I don't wash your feet, you have no part in me. He says, well, then wash my whole body. <laughs> He's like, I, can't, I want to be with you. I, I want to have my whole being in you. And Jesus said, that's how you're supposed to treat other people. I'm washing your feet as an example. You're supposed to be generous and pour out everything that you have that represents power and strength, whether it be your time, your finances, your abundance. And you're supposed to pour it out and watch God bless. And then he did something crazy. Those events led him to die on a cross for us. That's, he said, at just the right time, Romans says. Paul said, at I, just the right time, God sent Jesus to die for us. You want to figure out how you can trust God to become a generous person? Look at what Jesus did for you. Read his word. And during the time in that room when he was washing the disciples' feet, he passed a glass around. He passed the bread around. And he said, I want you to do this in remembrance of me. 
And that's what the juice represents. The juice represents his blood that was poured out for us. That little bread piece, that little wafer on the th- that just represents Christ's body that was broken for you. He said, do it in remembrance of me. That's why, remembering. So can we remember today? Remember the generosity of Jesus Christ in our own lives as we get ready to walk out of here and, and contemplate how we, be, how we can take a next step in generosity in our own lives? We're going to remember Jesus. What you, what you fail to remember, you don't live out in life. And I just got to tell you, I want to be a person that lives out the gospel of Jesus Christ because he's been good to me. Can we take this together? Let's just peel back that first layer there. It's kind of a fun way to do communion. Just take out that that little bread, just hold it up. God, we give thanks for your body that was broken for us. We remember it today. And we love you and we're grateful for you. Take that bread and just eat it. Thank you, Lord. Little hint, if you peel it back halfway in the next part, you won't spill it all over yourself. This represents the blood of Jesus Christ that was poured out for you. This is his generosity for you. The Bible says without blood, there is no atoning. For the wages of sin is death. And Jesus died perfectly without sin. And he poured out his blood for you and for me. And we remember that today, Jesus. Thank you for your generosity towards us. Let's take that together. Let's pray together. God, we, we're just entertaining you right now. And we're just extremely grateful, God. We remember what you've done for us. If there's somebody in the room today or listening online that hasn't made Jesus the Lord of their lives, and you're ready to do that right now, and I'm just, I'm trusting the fact that your heart is being pulled right now, and that feeling that you feel, it's, it's nothing other than the God of the universe calling you. Would you respond to that? Would you be bold to pray this prayer with me? God, I need you. I can't be worthy of you in and of myself, and I just accept you. I accept the sacrifice that you made for me. My own man-made worthiness isn't good enough to be worthy of a perfect God, but I believe that you sent Jesus to die here for me, and I believe that he really died for me. I believe that he really was raised from the death, from the grave for me. And one day, I'm gonna make it to heaven, but right now I still live on this earth, and I'm just, I'm trusting in you to help me. I give you the authority of my, over my life, and I make you Lord in Jesus' name. Can we say amen together? Amen. Look at me real fast. If you made that decision today to make Jesus the Lord of your life, would you let us know? Would you, would you take a bold step and not let your starting line today be your finish line as you walk out the door? There's a connect card in front of you. Just check on there. Hey, I prayed to receive Christ today. And we want to make a follow-up with you. We want to be praying for you. And we want to do something. We, we don't just want to be... Uh, have a church service, but we want to be the church and we want to come around you. So would you do that today? If you're new for the first time today, thank you for coming. If you're new about within the past month or so, you're invited to our guest gathering. It's happening right now. I promise you we're just going to feed you a couple snacks. 15 minutes is all we're asking and we'll get you on your way. But we would love to meet you. You guys, I'm so grateful for you. I'll see you next week. Have a great week, guys.